0: Oh, hello there, I'm Mitch. And welcome to It's Lit with Mitch. I read powerful literature out loud, beginning to end. Throughout, I pause to react, make commentary, and generally think out loud. Sometimes I'll make good jokes. Mostly, they'll probably be bad jokes. Always, though, I seek to expand my knowledge base and understanding of topics with which I'm not as familiar as I'd like to be. As this is the first episode ever, I reserve the first five or ten minutes for setting this up for you all. I'm going to do just exactly what I said a second ago, which is, I'm going to read a book out loud, beginning to end, pausing to react to what I'm reading, making commentary about it, and generally think and process what I'm reading out loud. Why on earth is this guy doing this? One might ask. Um, well... Because I want to. I consider it a form of training and accountability. There is a fat stack of skills I don't currently possess that I intend to acquire. And this is one of the best ways for me to acquire them all in one consistent routine activity. To be clear, so there's no misunderstanding, I'm doing this for myself and for my benefit. I decided the first book I should read out loud will be the Holy Bible. After consulting with a few good friends, I chose the New Living Translation. I know there are other versions, and they may be better, more correct versions, but this is the version I've committed to. Why did I choose the Holy Bible, and what expectations do I have for myself and the audience, whoever you may be? I chose the Bible for a few good reasons. The first is that I've never read it. I'm not going to necessarily hold that as a rule moving forward, but for my first season, it felt valuable. I have also been wanting to read the Bible for some time, but as you may well know already, it's likely the easiest book to procrastinate cracking over. Uh, A few things you should know about me. I am an atheist. For as long as I can remember, I have always been an atheist in one form or another, though when I was younger, it wasn't so defined. Suffice it to say, suffice it to say, I, I just have certainly never believed in God in, that, in, in any real sense. For a long time, from my like mid-teens to roughly my mid-twenties, I was like an intransigent and militant atheist uh what does that mean i was i was kind of like the asshole atheist that you all know and have encountered before um and i know it and everyone who knows me knows it um and i still am an asshole Uh, i'm just wiser now a little bit um and a little bit more charming about it Um, but back then i would look at the world And all of its problems, all the wars, genocides, violence, uh, all these tragedies caused by men. And I'd say disdainfully, wow, hasn't religion got a lot to answer for? And that may be true. It has. But over the last few years, my perspective has evolved a little and shifted. And I'm sure we'll get into this over the next several months of this read, however long it takes us, because... I'm gonna read the Bible out loud and it's gonna take a long time. But this shift has me for the first time instead looking around the world and seeing joy, peacefulness, a spirit of service, community and family values and saying optimistically, wow, hasn't religion got a lot to answer for? And so we end up at, I seek to expand my knowledge base and understanding of topics with which I'm not as familiar as I'd like to be. The Holy Bible has been impacting my life since before I was born, and if we're honest, to enormous benefit to me. It benefits me even though I'm a gay atheist. More than all that, however, I've chosen the Holy Bible because there are absolutely, superbly brilliant men and women surrounding me that I admire, love, and respect. And they are moved by this book and its message. And I want to know that message for myself firsthand. Even if I am not so moved into passionate worship and devotion as I don't expect to be, I want to read the words that mean so much to so many and to so many I love and respect and find the golden nuggets that will mean something to me. There must be multitudes of them in here for me. I also want to be knowledgeable in conversation on the topic in a general sense. I've made a fool of myself in the past uh, in good fun, um, but those times serve as a reminder that I'm ignorant in a place I don't want to be ignorant in anymore. Uh, Just as an example, I am a sales professional and a damn good one. A client last year referred someone to me to speak about the marketing services my company provides. The conversation went well, and the individual signed up. Clayboy, And the individual, that's my dog. And the individual signed up, which displays automatically in the Slack account that was created for that user. Um, Later, I was speaking to our CEO, my boss, he's also probably my best friend, about that new account and the sale that was made. And I was saying something like, and yeah, I think Malachi is in a great market, and he should be a great client. And he burst out laughing. He was our CEO. This guy was raised around religion. He even went to college briefly for the purpose of a career in the church in some respect. I don't know exactly what, um, but you know he knows what he's talking about when it comes to religion. But we talk almost every day and he rarely laughs as hard as he was laughing at this moment. As he composed himself, Knowing I have virtually no knowledge of the Bible itself, he said, Mitch, his name is Malachi. It's from the Bible. My palm slapped my forehead so quickly. It's a good thing I don't get embarrassed easily. Um, And that's just a silly story. But it's a good representation of the kinds of things I want to avoid in the future by just simply educating myself. How much of what I think about the Bible is wrong? Just as, just, you know, how much of it is just a perspective I accepted from some atheist thought leader or activist or comedian I once read or watched? I like to have deep, invigorating, intellectual conversations. And I lack the ability to really have those on this topic And that must change. And so, I seek to read this book as an atheist. Not to berate and defile the content, I'm not intending to make that the point of this adventure, though admittedly an older version of me would have. I seek to read this tome in good faith, seeking to gain all that I can personally gain from it. With that in mind, I reserve the right to politely and tactfully criticize and challenge some of the things I will read, just as I'm sure I will praise and embrace others." Um, So we're going to get started here, right after I take care of all these animals who are going crazy. All right, so let's get started reading the Bible for the first time. Uh, Here's the one I got, you can check it out. Um, it is the New Living Translation, as I said already. And, set that down right on the floor. Uh, and it really, I mean, it's a beautiful book. I actually wish more books were, you know, as pretty as this. Uh, it, the, the presentation alone makes it exciting. Um, I did already read the introduction Uh, which was about seven or eight pages. I didn't feel like I would need to read that out loud, Um, and I'm glad I did because it gave me some information to know while reading it. Um, The way that I read books, and I don't know how you read books, but this is just how I do it, Um, I always have highlighters and a pencil because I think it's a waste of reading a book If you are not going to be making notes uh, and otherwise just paying attention and, and picking things out that you want to be able to come back to easily, things that just stuck out to you right there, right away when you were reading it. So, uh, the last kind of precautionary thing I'll say before I get going Um, since I want to procrastinate just a little bit more, is I don't know how to read the Bible. Um, I do know that it's written in such a way that it actually lends itself to be read out loud or to be spoken word. Um, So that's, you know, another good thing. But I don't actually know how to read it structurally. Uh, And that will probably be pretty obvious until people start emailing me and giving me tips on this stuff. So uh, forgive me my ignorances, I'm trying. So, with that said, we're going to start right at the beginning. Cheers. That's coffee. The Holy Bible written by God. All right, Genesis. The account of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Thank God. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters, to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And this is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called this space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the ground, the dry ground, land, and the waters, seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years, Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came marking the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, let the fish fill the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God He created them, male and female He created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth, and all the fruit trees for your food, and I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, and the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over. All he had made And he saw that it was very good. And I agree. All that is very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. The man and woman in Eden. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, And there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed a man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground. Trees that were, that was my highlighter cap that I was fidgeting with. Trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, that sounds like foreshadowing to me. A river flowed from the land of Eden watering the garden, and then dividing into four branches. The first branch, called the the Pishon, Pishon, is where you get to laugh at me. The first branch, called the Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Havala, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch, called the Gihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Assur. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Accept the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. That sounds like it's an important thing. That sounds important. So we're going to just highlight that. I mean, I know generally the story already. But that sounds like it's an important part. Then the Lord God said... It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them all to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. And there, and still, but still... There was no helper just right for him. So the Lord caused man, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. The man and woman sin. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool, evenings, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will feel, and you will strike his heel. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. Ouch! And in pain, you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life... You will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. There's something, that's something important right there. Paradise lost. God's judgment. Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Then the Lord God said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life, and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty... Mighty... Is that what word it is? Mighty Cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Of course, all of my animals want my attention yeah. when I'm trying to just read a book. <sighs> uh, it has the number four for Cain and Abel. I don't know what that four means. Um, like, is it book four? Is it, Chapter four? I think it's chapter, probably chapter four of the book of Genesis. All right. Cain and Abel. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it to be its master. That is some interesting stuff right there. Sin... Is crouching at the door eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, Let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, No, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who killed you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So that's actually interesting. Um, that's very interesting. I'm going to... This is an iterative, iterative process, I'm reading this and kind of thinking about how to react, but uh, having... You know, I know, I know there, there's certainly more, but having just read some of that, it's already stuff I didn't know. (laughs) So I'm talking elementary understanding I had here or not even. Um, And uh, I think I'll definitely have have to invite some people to discuss a lot of the stuff with me because there's some thoughts flowing around. Um, So the descendants of Cain. Cain had sexual relations with his wife. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain founded a city, which he named Enoch, after his son. Enoch had a son named Irad. Irad or Irad? Irad, it's probably Irad. Became the father of (laughs) Mehuyael, I think. Mehuyael Mehuyael became the father of Methusael. Methusael became the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women. The first was named Adah and the second was Zillah. Adah gave birth to Jabal, who was the first of those who who was the first of those who raise livestock and live in tents. His brother's name was Jubal the first of all who play the harp and flute. Lamech's other wife, Zillah, gave birth to a son named Tubal-Cain. He became an expert in forging tools of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain had a sister named Neema. Na- named Neema. I'm butchering these names. Don't worry, I know it. One day Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice. Listen to me, you wives of Lamech. I have killed a man who attacked me, a young man who wounded me. If someone who kills Cain is punished seven times, then the one who kills me will be punished 77 times. The birth of Seth. Adam had sexual relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to another son. She named him Seth, for she said, God has granted me another son in place of Abel, whom Cain killed. When Seth grew up, he had a son and named him Enosh. At that time, people first began to worship the Lord by name. The Descendants of Adam This is the written account of the descendants of Adam. When God created human beings, He made them to be like himself. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and called them human. Human. (laughs) When Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him. In his very image, he he named his son Seth. After the birth of Seth, Adam lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. That is a long time. When Seth was 105 years old, he became the father of Enosh. After the birth of Enosh, Seth lived another 807 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Seth lived 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh was 90 years old, he became the father of Kenan. After the birth of Kenan, it's probably like Canaan or Kenane, uh Enosh, and that's probably Enosh, lived another 850 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enosh lived 905 years, and then he died. When Kenan was 70 years old, he became the father of Mahalala, Mahalalel, Mahalalel. M. Mahalalel. Yeah. After the birth of Mahalalel. Mahalalel. <laughs> That's actually fun to say. Mahalalel. Mahalalel. It sounds like a greeting. Mahalalel. Um, so after the birth of Mahalalel. Canon lived another 840 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Canon lived 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalalel was 65 years old, just 65, he became the father of Jared, uh, a a rather average name coming from Mahalalel. After the birth of Jared, Mahalalel lived another 830 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Mahalalel lived 895 years, and then he died. When Jared was 162 years old, he became the father of Enoch. After the birth of Enoch, Jared lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters jared lived 962 years and then he died is that a different enoch from okay different enoch from the other enoch i hope that's um not maybe it's not important i don't know when enoch was 65 years old he became the father of methuselah after the birth of methuselah Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived for 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day, he disappeared because God took him. I wonder what that's about. I hope that comes back. Laptop is unhappy. When Methuselah was 187 years old, he became the father of Lamech. After the birth of Lamech, Methuselah lived another 782 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Methuselah lived 600 or, excuse me, 969 years and then he died. Nice. When Lamech was 182 years old, he became the father of a son. Lamech named his son Noah, for he said, May he bring us relief from our work and the painful labor of farming this ground that the Lord has cursed. After the birth of Noah, Lamech lived another 595 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Lamech lived 777 years, and then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Jepeth. I hope it's Ham, because I'm imagining it's not Ham. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Chapter 6, A World Gone Wrong. Then the people began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the beautiful women, and took any they wanted as, they, as their wives. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time. I get it, man. For they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. In those days, and for some time after, giant neph. Nephilites, giant Nephilites, lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah never found, but Noah found favor with the Lord. That's actually pretty harsh. That is really harsh. Those are, those are the words of heartbreak. I am sorry I ever made them. Hmm. The story of Noah. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world. For everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Just some casual conversation. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18 inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat. Middle, lower, and upper. Look! I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. Um, And so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Noah had it like, he had a real good relationship with this guy. I mean, look how open God is with him. Chapter 7, The Flood That Covers the Earth. When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with all your family, for among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Take with you seven pairs, male and female, of each animal. I have approved for eating and for sacrifice. And take one pair of each of the others. Also take seven pairs of every kind of bird. There must be a male and a female in each pair to ensure that all life will survive on the earth after the flood. Seven days from now, I will make the rains pour down on the earth, and it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights until I have wiped from the earth all the living things I have created. Sort of like shaking the Netcha sketch So Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood covered the earth. He went on board to the boat to the uh, He went on board the boat to escape the flood. He and his wife and his sons and their wives with them were all the various kinds of animals, those approved for eating and for sacrifice, and those that were not, along with all the birds and the animals that scurry along the ground. They entered the boat in pairs, male and female, just as God had commanded Noah. After seven days, the waters of the flood came and covered the earth. When Noah was 600 years old, on the 17th day of the second month, all, on, all the underground waters erupted from the earth, and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. The rain continued to fall for forty days and forty nights. That very day, Noah had gone into the boat with his wife and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives. With them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, domestic and wild, large and small, along with birds of every kind. Oh, I lost my spot. Two by two, they came into the boat. Representing every living thing that breathes, a male and female of each kind entered, just as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. I also wonder about uh, I'm pausing here for a second. They make sure to talk about any time... I'm ignorant, but anytime they talk about small animals, they always say small animals that scurry along the ground. Small animals that scurry along the ground. Um. So if you're listening, I'm just curious if that's supposed to mean something obvious to me, or if it's. I mean, it's it's redundant. It's being said over and over. So I'm, you know, I'm almost certain that it's supposed to mean something. There's a reason why small animals. Uh, are described as scurrying along the ground. For 40 days, the floodwaters grew deeper, covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. As the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely on the surface. Finally, the water covered even the highest mountains on the earth, Rising more than 22 feet above the highest peaks. All the living things on Earth died birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. People, livestock, God wiped out every living thing on earth, people, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and the birds of the sky. All were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and those with him on the boat, and the flood waters covered the earth for 150 days, um, which is incidentally. Less time than we've been locking down for coronavirus. Hmm. The flood recedes. Some of you are thinking, that's just totally irrelevant, Mitchell. Um, and it might be. But God remembered Noah. The flood recedes, chapter 8. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the earth, and the floodwaters began to recede. The underground water stopped flowing, and the torrential rains from the sky were stopped, so the floodwaters gradually receded from the earth. After 150 days, exactly five months from the time the flood began, the boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Two and a half months later, as the waters continued to go down, other mountain peaks became visible. After another 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the boat and released a raven. The bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters on the earth had dried up. He also released a dove to see if the water had receded and it could find dry ground. But the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground. So it returned to the boat, and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. After waiting another seven days, Noah released the dove again. This time the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive in its beak. Then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. He waited another seven days and then released the dove again. This time it did not come back. Noah was now 601 years old. On the first day of the new year, ten and a half months after the flood began, the flood waters had almost dried up from the earth. Noah lifted back the covering of the boat and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. Two more months went by, and at last the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, Leave your boat, all of you. You and your wife and your sons and their wives release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, and the small animals that scurry along the ground so they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. So Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives left the boat, and all the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat pair by pair. It's safe to say... Everything else on the planet missed the boat, huh? Is that where this all is? That where that comes from? Missing the boat, huh? You guys are like, yeah. Welcome to the club. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice, and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. That is compelling. I will never again curse the ground because of the human race. Even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. I will never again destroy all living things. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. I just wanted to highlight that section because I find that kind of compelling. Even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. What does that mean, from childhood? It's bent toward evil from childhood. Huh. Chapter 9, we'll move along. God confirms his covenant. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. All the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror. I have placed them in your power. I have given them to you for food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables. But you must never eat any meat that still has the lifeblood in it. What does that mean? The lifeblood like just don't eat things alive, like while they're living. And I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And anyone who murders a fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. Now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. I'm not so... I mean, that seems like a decent justice system. (laughs) Uh... Anyone who murders a fellow human must die. I suppose that's eye for an eye, right? Um, We are in the Old Testament. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants and with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, every living creature on earth. Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all the living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the sky, uh, in the clouds, and I will remember my covenant with you and with all creatures, all living creatures. Never again will the flood waters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, Yes, this rainbow. Is the sign of the covenant, and I am confirming with all the creatures on the earth. Or, yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant, I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. Noah's sons. The sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the father of Canaan. I think it's Canaan. From these three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine he had made and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked, and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed! May he be the lowest of servants to his relatives!" Then Noah said, May the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed, and may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Japheth. May God share the prosperity of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Noah lived another 350 years after the great flood. He lived 950 years and then died. And I think that's where we're going to end it today. Uh, just just shy. We're on chapter 10 of the Book of Genesis now. And so one of the things I'm thinking, one, well, it seems like an overreaction. Um, why would Noah be so upset? With Kanan over, like, seeing him naked and then telling them so they can cover him up. I I mean, seems like an overreaction. You're telling me for the 150 days on that boat and close quarters, none of them saw each other naked even once? Did, I mean, was this a luxury cruise liner? Did they all have, like, their own rooms? Just some questions. I will see you next time.